Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome back to the Leading Edge Cricket Podcast. It feels like Red Bull was just here a minute ago and now it's out the window. The team have flown to Pakistan and we are going to break down exactly what is going on in this England-Pakistan series. It's the first time since 2004. It's kind of a big deal, just like my guest, Rich. Welcome yes. to the podcast, Rich. Um, do you want to share with those on camera your mug that you're drinking? Oh, not time? really. Not really. It's just, just just when I beat you in the final of the NFL Fantasy Football League, um, Commissioner. Oh, but, okay. Um, okay. but yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll get to see it during the you know the champion, during, during as we go, during, during the pod. <laughs> it's all good, Rob. Um, have I been downgraded to a guest? I thought we were co-hosts here, but uh, I'm now a guest. Um, I'm feeling a little bit insecure now. Is that what I called you? A yeah, guest? yeah, I'm a guest. Awesome. Oh, I should have said brother and mm. done a little Hulk Hogan muscle pose. <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah, Pakistan, mate. It's long overdue. England touring Pakistan. Obviously, a bit of a shambles the other year, wasn't it? A bit excuse merchants oh, yeah. um, all around New Zealand as well. So I'm loving the fact that England are going to Pakistan. I would love to go to Pakistan to watch cricket. Sadly, not yet. Uh, not able to at the moment. But it's going to be cracking, isn't it? It's, it's, we've got seven T20s as we build towards the T20 World Cup, which is coming up very, very soon. So England have got seven games coming up, Rob, as we said. They've then got three in Australia before the World Cup as well. So 10 T20 games to get the house in order, get their 11 sorted, what they want, and look like a team that can win the World Cup, Rob. Whether they will, whether they can do either of those things, we shall see. We'll see. They kind of need it. It feels mm. like T20 for, like, it's so, so oftenly, pl oftenly played. It's, it's played English. a lot. They Great play English. cricket a lot with uh, with white <laughs> balls and 120 balls of it. Mm. So they play it a lot, but it feels like the international T20 market might be declining slightly. Like the, mm. the, the franchise stuff is so big and so popular. Yeah. It, it's kind of like the T20 series between international teams sometimes can be a little bit of an afterthought after you've had like this massive five-day feast. Mm. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's, it's, it's a changing game, isn't it? It's a changing market everywhere around the world. There's so much competition um, in, the, in the franchises. So the game's going to have to start adapting, isn't it? Um, and I'm sure, you know, it's beginning to already. But there are so many challenges ahead for all the international boards. Um, yes. Just to keep, keep pace, really, isn't it? So, But yeah, I'm, I, like I say, I'm, I'm genuinely really, really pleased that England are in Pakistan. They've, they've touched down. They've arrived. They're there. They're ready to go. Big old squad as well, and there's a few few rested. But should we before we get deep into Pakistan T20, there was another limited overs game that was played yesterday, Rob, and we need to give it some yeah. love because it doesn't get as much love, does it anymore? It's the Royal London One Day Cup. It's the 50 over competition in England, the only one. It's the 50 over. If you remember, was the World Cup win? Ben Stokes, yeah, New Zealand, yeah. all those great days. Nobody cares about 50 over cricket anymore. Rob it's kind of like you've completed yeah. it, mate. Like, completed it. Like, I don't need to talk about it anymore. I don't need to play that format anymore. Exactly, yeah. But but just to give it the love it needs and the respect it needs, we're going to talk about it very, very briefly. And we saw Kent Lancashire play off in a cracking final yesterday at Trent Bridge. Um, it really was a good game of cricket. It's a shame. There's probably about 10,000 in there, 9,000 in there, which, you know, I mean, it's, it's the final. It used to be a Lord's final. This used to be yeah, the big event. Did. And it's a little bit sad, but we saw a really good uh, Kent side that respect to Kent, they didn't incorporate their returning 100 players. The players that went through this competition and got them to the final and then, spoiler, got them the win, a uh, 21-run win over Lancashire. They didn't go back to the Sam Billings of this world, the Jordan Cox. Well, Jordan Cox is in Pakistan now anyway. Um, oh, and the other players who were, were obviously playing in the 100, the, you know, the 
Bell Drummond, Zach Crawley's, etc. Um, so massive respect to to, uh, to Kent for doing that. Um, and there's a certain individual who is being called the Darren Stevens replacement, signed from Nottinghamshire. So he's playing at his old own ground, old ground. Joey Everson, 97, opening the batting. 20 year old Joey Everson, all rounder, um, was offered contract to stay at Notts. Not so disappointed to see him leave, but he left, and he's making his name already at Kent in the final. Yes. Basically, a man-of-the-match performance by Everson. Uh, two for 34 as well. Nearly a worldie of a catch. Um, but a stunning performance from him. Shame he couldn't get to 100. Uh, but he was really, really good to watch. Ollie Robinson, the other Ollie Robinson, uh, 43. Joe Denley, the captain, got on with things as well. 78 of 69. Alex Blake got going as well. Darren Stevens, A very steady Darren Stevens, 33 off 31 to get them into the uh, change of innings. Um, looking good in what will be his last game for Kent as his... Good way to go out yeah, for the old-timer. Exactly. He's, he's not retiring as of yet. He's talking to a couple of counties. I think he wants to play a coach role. Um, but Kent batting, anything you want to pull out of that, Rob? Uh, it's, it's just Everson. It's it's all Everson. Like That's such an impactful knock at the ground that you couldn't really get a decent run in the team. In. And it, mm. you can look at it from a couple of ways going, Knott's might have dropped the ball on this. But also, mm. Knott's have a very fine team, yep. multi-format. I know they're not in the final of this mm. competition, and you take that however you, you want mm. it. But it's very hard to get into this team and stay there with the balance they've got and the quality they've got. Yeah. Um, and someone else is going to play uh, one, pay him and two, play him a lot more than he's going to do it. Not so fair play for him to kind of taking the ball in his own court and going, right, I'm going to hit it hour one and I'm going to mm. go and play my cricket elsewhere. And what a yeah. way to go, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Royal London Cup final winner. Um, and you never know what the future holds. You don't know how many more of these competitions there'll be over the next 20 years. Yeah, exactly. And, and it seemed like Joey Everson, at not sure, we're not going to go into this too much, but he was being used more as a bowler that can bat, batting down at eight or whatever it was, seven yeah. or eight in the order. But, you know, he's opening the batting for Kent. So clearly Kent are seeing him potentially more as a batsman who will bowl. And he's going to be their third or yeah. fourth seamer. I just want everyone to pump the brakes on calling him the Darren Stevens replacement. You don't replace Darren Stevens. <laughs> when you've got a player that is that iconic and has been that big and is that destructive and match winner, all those words you want to throw at him, you cannot just replace him. Certainly not with a 20-year-old. So as, as well as he's played, as well as, you know, as good as he's looking, don't try and say he's a Darren Stevens replacement. That's too much pressure on somebody. Um, but that's by the by. Um, Lancashire bowled pretty well. They kept it quite tight, but obviously Kent getting over 300 was just enough on this um, this late summer Nottinghamshire track or Trent Bridge track, sorry. Um, in response, Keaton Jennings, he got on with things. 72 looked exceptional. Um, right, I need to stop this. I'm saying exceptional too much, Rob. I need to stop it. So every time I say exceptional, just, just nudge me or something or just give me a punch from New Zealand uh, to stop me saying it. Um, Keaton Jennings, he was so gutted. It was just a Hamadullah Kadri that the uh, the spinner, the young spinner from Kent bowled really, really well. Um, he got himself one for 43. Jennings was the only wicket. But that was one of the differences. Is it, they, they had a spinner, a frontline spinner, rather than sort of fill-in spinners uh, that Lancashire had. So that, that really did help uh, control things for Kent. Um, loads of contributions as we go through. Stephen Croft, 72 as well. He backed really well. Um, Gilchrist came on for a second spell. Nathan Gilchrist and got a couple of wickets that really, really did turn the game. And then it, they just got through um, the, the rest of the order. And it was so fitting that uh, Joey Everson was the man that got the last wicket to wrap up the win, uh, winning by 21 runs in this one. Good competition again. Final. Exactly. Yeah, really good competition again. And it was fitting, I think. It was just a really, really entertaining and enjoyable final. And I hope people yeah. watched it. If you haven't, go and watch the highlights. It's still a good competition. And there's some good young players that are getting some great exposure through it. Mm. 
I'd, I'd agree, mate. Um, Dame Villas, huge wicket going down there because mm. the, the game's very much in the balance. The three for 153, and Everson cleans him up. Villas is ultra dangerous player. Yeah. Anytime he's on the pitch, red ball, white ball, T20 cricket, um, he's exceptional. So what what a day for him. Also, when I was looking through umpires, Paul Pollard, yeah. Russell Warren, Match referee Wayne Noon. It was like a Knott's old boys reunion in in the uh, the referee circle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was saying Paul Pollard, my one and only appearance at Nottinghamshire at uh, Trent Bridge. Sorry, I keep saying not at Trent Bridge when I was very very young. Um, was uh, Paul Pollard was like the token player that got brought over to have his photo with us at the end of the game. So always remember Paul Pollard. Ah. Paul Pollard. Always remember him opening the batting with Tim Robinson when Another. I was checking uh, yeah. telly text back in the day oh, back then love that I used to love watching cricket via teletext people have got no idea what it's like now youtube oh, county I want cricket to say it was 3-4-0 <laughs> we're, we're losing everybody now well, rob quick let's move on from from teletext great competition great great final pakistan yeah. england are in pakistan rob bring it on so we've got seven games coming up the first four are in karachi and then they move over to lahore for the final three so the first game gets underway on tuesday the 20th uh, we're recording this on the 18th, uh, Sunday the 18th. But uh, yeah, so it's going to be imminently arriving uh, and it runs through to the final game being at the 2nd of October. They then move over to Australia. They've got uh, three games over there, one in Perth, two in Canberra um, from the 9th to the 14th before the World Cup uh, gets underway. England's first game in the World Cup will be against Pakistan. They'll all get to know very well uh, in the coming week or so. It's... Uh... It's going to be awesome. Like, this means a lot to the Pakistani people. You remember mm. when, and you've touched on it, when the Black Caps pulled out and how controversial yeah. that was. And apparently it was the government that was making these decisions. But it was the, the stifling of cricket, international cricket, top quality cricket yeah. from that country, which was quite hard to take and hard to take for the Pakistani mm. people. Um, I remember straight afterwards, I think Chris Gale flew straight out to Pakistan and played in mm. some game or did something like they were all in on like, yeah. hey, we we're building a, a safe country for cricketers to come in and mm. play cricket. And um, whatever happened with the Black Caps, I don't think the full story will ever come out until mm. maybe there's a change of government over here and someone writes a book a few years down the road. <laughs> yeah. The England one was probably a little bit harder to take because it felt like it was just a case of we've booked too much in. Yeah. Like, I've got too much going on in my yeah. diary and something's got to give. And it and was then, the Pakistan series that gave and they went yeah. to the World Cup and they didn't go on and win it, which you yeah. know, was probably part of the reason. But mm. it was a difficult time. Um, bubble fatigue, mm -hmm. all, all these guys going around the world, playing in different competitions, going through it on a constant yeah. basis was quite hard. So I'm stoked for the Pakistani people. And, mm. you know, just it's going to be packed crowds, full house. Mm. Um, it's a It's a... Decent England team without mm. being star-studded England team, like the World Cup-ready England team. Mm. But I think it's enough to to run Pakistan close. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a special occasion. I, I hope Pakistani uh, public embrace it, love it. I'm sure they will. Um, it's, you know, it is disappointing. I just want to quickly say, you know, when England did pull out, I take what you're saying completely, and I, I agree to a point. That's probably the reason why they didn't go in the end. What the the, the, the official reason was a little bit nonsense, wasn't it? Um, yes, but Pakistan had come to England. They'd given up their time during, during COVID. COVID to come. And no we, vaccines, and we really should have, have, have backed them up and, and thanked yep. them and done this as a as a as a bit of a favour. Really, it's, I don't want to call it a favour because that's wrong. We should have just done it. It's as simple as that. So, 
by the by, they're here, they're here now. Um, hopefully, it's going to be a great series. And uh, yeah, there's opportunities for people. We've got the World Cup squad that's been named. This squad is different. There are certain players not involved. So Ben Stokes, obviously, he's going to be in the World Cup. He's rested. Chris Jordan, uh, Liam Livingston, they're both recovering from uh, little injuries, but they are named in the World Cup squad as well. They're not going on this series. And also Tim or Mills, he's just uh, missing out on this one. But he's going to be meeting up in Australia, um, where he is one of the travelling reserves for the World Cup. Um, so let's just get into the squad for Pakistan, Rob. There was obviously one change, as we'll just quickly, obviously, get that out of the way. Johnny Bairstow, very dangerous sport, as we've said on a number of times, is golf. <laughs> Do not attempt on your own to climb tee boxes. Never. You may break a leg. So uh, Johnny Bairstow obviously had to miss out, and then we had the huge conversation of who will replace him. Um, Alex Hales was the man selected. We will get into Alex Hales shortly, but the squad... As it stands, Josh Butler is the man at the helm. Um, he's got a bit of an injury, hasn't he? So he might not play in the early games, but we'll hope to see him at some point. So Josh Butler, he's joined by Moen Ali, Harry Brook of Yorkshire. Jordan Cox is an uncapped player from Kent. Sam Curran, Ben Duckett from Notts, who uh, got himself into the last squad of the summer in the test. Uh, Liam Dawson, the spinner. Richard Gleeson. Uh, love the Richard Gleeson story. Could, we, could, we could repeat that all day, every day. Alex Hales, Tom Helm of Middlesex, Will Jackson, sorry, Darryl Milan. Adil Rashid, Phil Salt, um, he's in the World Cup squad as well as he was the man that originally was picked ahead of, of Hales. Ollie Stone, Reese Topley, David Willey, Chris Wokes, Luke Wood, another uncapped player, and Mark Wood. So Wokes and Wood both return after their last English England cricket was in the West Indies. Mm. It's I, I like it. I like yeah. the fact that some other people are getting a run out in this white ball team for England that's been really hard to break into for a long, long period of time. Um, so I'm really interested. I'm interested to see how Ben Duckett's going to go because I assume he's going to get a knock and he'll probably go quite well. I'm really excited about seeing Will Jacks play in this competition. I think yeah. his bowling is tremendously underrated at the domestic mm. level and his batting is good enough uh, potentially to make it at the international level as well. He scores at a really good rate, hits a long ball, can play spin very well, 360-degree mm. player. It's very, uh, or let's let's just say all these terms in cricket and uh, some people might understand what they mean, but <laughs> he's, he's an exceptional player. But the, the, the big cheese at the top of the list is very much Alex Hales. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you're going to touch on the background of what happened with mm. him, but for context of how good Alex Hales is, He's probably the most, other than the IPL, he's the most sought-after English franchise player there's possibly ever been. Yep. Um, and he definitely is the guy for like the last five years. His record is astronomical. His strike rate over the last three years, so taking all the franchise competitions that he's played in around the world, he's got a strike rate of 159. 159. Mm. You look Outrageous. at this England team and they've Outrageous. got a hole at the top of the order that's created from Bairstow. Who I think's only played one T twenty game since the since the last World Cup, mm. and we've been poor at the top of the innings, which used to be our bread and butter. Jason Roy's had a really tough time of it, and, and not involved in these series. So it's it's tailor made for Hales to come in and cause some carnage, particularly with the background that's that's kind of led to his exile from the team. Yeah, oh, hundred percent. Um, Hales spoke about. It. I mean, Rob Key spoke about it when they first announced the squad when Hales wasn't included, and he was and he told the story obviously seemed to want to tell the story, didn't he? Which was a little bit bizarre about Hales had picked yeah. up the phone and rang him. We've heard the Hales side of this now. And Hales wanted to demand. He said he was quite forceful in the conversation with, with Rob Keane. It was very much a case of why I want to know why I'm not in the squad. Because I believe 
when I look at the world of cricket, world of T20 cricket, and especially with England, I deserve a spot in the squad at the very least because I know I can do a job in that top order of yep. England setup. We must say Jason Roy was the was the big name that did miss out. 32 years old now, not performed particularly well over the last summer. 51 runs in six innings for the Oval Invincibles, including three ducks. In his last 11 international appearances, he's got a top score of 43. Yeah. Jason Roy was not the man informed. Johnny Bairstow, obviously, he's had a hell of a summer. Phil Salt was called up as a preference as well. We've got to remember that. Uh, an up-and-coming uh, top-order player as well in, in short formats. So that's why we see Hales in here. Um, he's, he's just exceptional, isn't he? He's got so much experience. He's 33. He's closer to 34 than he is 33. This man is an experienced guy. He's a, he's a veteran now, Rob. I remember when I first got called a veteran in the local paper. It, it makes you <laughs> makes you feel different. Um He's got all the experience in the world. He's played in every T20 franchise tournament going, I'm pretty sure. He has. He's performed in every T20 franchise um, he's played in. He's scored big runs everywhere he goes. He's played against the best in the world all, all everywhere he goes. He keeps saying it. Just how can you not pick him when we're talking about cricket? Just cricket. He had to be Just in the cricket. squad in the end. No matter how he got there, he got in the squad. It's absolutely the right decision from a cricketing perspective. Like I said, we will touch on the other parts of it shortly. Um, but he had to be there. And just just his, his, his experience is crazy, isn't it? He's, he's more appearances in Pakistan than any other Englishman. 21, yeah. I think it is, Rob, 21, something like that. Yeah. You know, we've got the stats of, of when we move over to Australia, where the World Cup will be. He's the leading run scorer in Big Bash cricket since 2019, October 2019. It's perfect. I mean, you couldn't be asking for a better replacement coming into the squad at this time. Um, no, you couldn't. To go to a World yeah. Cup in Australia. Mm. England have been struggling hitting boundaries and they've they've got that hole to fill at the top and his boundary run percentage is astronomical. He scores 72% of his T20 domestic runs in boundaries over the last three years. Again, context is key. The only two players that I can see that have a higher percentage of, uh, than him of that who scored, say, a 1,000 runs, Andre Russell and Paul Sterling. Mm. <laughs> Paul Sterling might be somewhat one that people go, oh, I didn't expect to see him. <laughs> Paul Sterling is an exceptional cricketer yeah. who hits it a very long way and very often. But Hales is in such, like, top tier, top mm. tier. And he had to wait for an England call-up to start with. If you remember the 2015 World Cup, which mm. was a debacle down in mm. New Zealand, we were having uh, Tom, Dick and Harry open the batting going at four and over. We had Hale sat there on the sideline for the whole time. Yep. Then he came in, scored all those runs, scored loads of 90s in T20 international cricket. He's still the third highest run scorer in, in T20 international cricket for England, despite being away for three years. Like we've been very, very lucky to have Butler, to have Bairstow, to have Roy. Mm. But have we missed out on possibly the best of the lot for the last two or three years? That's a big statement. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying we are very lucky that our fourth choice opener to come in is <laughs> Alex Hale. Yeah, definitely. England are in a hell of a position to have that. And I expect him to go very well. I, I Obviously, this this Pakistan tour, we need to get the players that are in the squad that are in, also been named in the World Cup squad. We need to get them some match uh, time under their belts. Um, T20 has been a bit hit and miss for England, hasn't it, uh, since we had the change of coaching. Uh, Matthew Mock coming in, obviously. Not blaming him, obviously. He's, he's, he's not really had a lot of time to work with players. He came in quite quickly, didn't he? Uh, straight away, he was over in over the, the squad in Netherlands for some ODIs. 
Um, and then they've had some T20s and ODIs to try and get to know each other. Um, he's still trying to find his feet. He's brought in a couple of more uh, coaches as well, just probably worth mentioning. David Saker, he of uh, the Australian bowling coach, who has coached with England before, uh, but also uh, Mike Hussey, uh, the Australian batsman, legend. Um, he's come in as well to, to help out with the coaching alongside Richard Dawson and Carl Hopkinson. So start, still, we're still at that process of, of filling coaching staffs out. So it's not an easy task at the moment, is it, at all? It's so, interesting. It's not been a walk-in job, is it? Like, no. you, you would look to it no. and gone, the England white ball job's are an easier job mm. than the red ball job. Actually, the white ball job is plagued with historically being an exceptional team and mm. a lot of players kind of being end of cricketing life at that level and mm. unavailable and deprioritized, like all these mm. different things. So you do get these new opportunities. But I do like this squad because it is giving opportunities to people who deserve it. If you look at the 100 and you look at the T20 Blast over the last two years, the two top run scorers is Ben Duckett and Will Jacks. Number four is Alex Hales. Number six is Phil Brooks. Seven Mm. is Phil Salt. Like the right people, Mm. I feel, are being identified as, hey, these are the guys that we need to give a run to and we've we've got to get them ready for the World Cup in another two years or however often T20 International World Cups are going to be ran these days. But the I think they've done a good job identifying the right players to come in mm. that score at a good enough rate. Will Jacks scores at a 157 strike rate mm. over the last two years in the Blast and 100. That's 10 behind Alex Hales, who's got a 167, but it's still yeah. highly, highly exceptional. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it, it, was a bit, it was a bit strange at the time, wasn't it, that they selected the, the World Cup squad before um, obviously going to Pakistan. It just seemed a bit strange at the time. So that England, that World Cup squad is what it is. We've got the three reserves as well. But there is a chance that if someone absolutely rips, <laughs> rips the performance apart and just goes big in Pakistan, there is a chance that they can tweak that squad. It's not locked in. It's not, it's not chiseled in stone, is it? Um, so if somebody does come and perform, be it a Ben Duckett perhaps or, or one of the bowlers, there is a chance. So there is so much to play for. And Matthew Mott has spoken about how he wants to give opportunities to some of these, um, I don't want to say peripheral players, but the, the players that are coming in, the uncapped players. Like I say, Ollie Stone, Will Jacks, Tom Helm, Luke Wood, Jordan Cox, all uncapped at this level. Um, mm. They have opportunities. This is their England debuts for some of these guys, isn't it? Um, Ollie Stone obviously has played a little bit of cricket, but the rest of them haven't played for England in any, any format. So it's a huge, huge opportunity. Great place to do it. It's going to be a hell of an experience for all of them. And it just is. who's going to step up? Ben Duckett is the man that I think could is probably the the one that's missed out because of the Hales recall. I think if Hales hadn't have been deemed acceptable it, with the senior players to the captain, um, Ben Stokes, etc., and to the coach, I think Ben Duckett might have been the next man up to replace Johnny Bairstow. So I do feel a little bit of sympathy with Ben Duckett because he deserves international cricket with the way he's played over the last couple of years. Yep. I, th- I think that's fair, mate. Um, on the on the bowling front, Luke Wood getting a call up, yeah, is is great because he was a mm. former Knots guy. Mm. Can bowl up to about eighty seven, sometimes ninety, to yeah. top ninety. Um, mm. But he's he's been good. He's got thirty nine wickets across the blast in the hundred over the last two years, an average of twenty seven. His economy rate is eight point five eight. Uh, his, his strike rate is 19. Like he's mm. he's a decent player, and he can hit the ball down the order, which is something yeah. that mm. they like. And England, we've seen it through squad selections over the past T20 series. They love a left armor. Left yeah. armors 
are seen as key. Left arm seamers particularly are seen as key in terms of being able to take wickets mm. um, and take wickets often. So I think that's a that's a, a really good move. And Tom Helm as well. Tom Helm had a really good 2022 across all formats probably. I think it's mm. fair to say he's, he's had a good run at the championship after a difficult time where he's probably had a few too many injuries. Yeah. Um, but 22 wickets, uh, an average of 20. Slightly concerned by his economy rate of 9.51 this year overall, mm. but he's someone that gives them great height, could get really good bounce. And if you've got to think about where you're going to be playing your cricket in the future, um, could be a decent point of difference. Yeah, definitely. And someone like Tom Helm is someone who's been on the on there or thereabouts on the radar for so many years, hasn't he? He, came, he broke through quite young. He's 28 now. It's one of those where it's so good for someone like him to get his opportunity. You know, you'd have thought Tom Helm is still a promising young bowler, but that's how time works, people. Um, everyone gets older. Um, so it's really good to see him get a chance. Maybe, you know, if he gets a game, I think that would be great. Whether it is, is a hell of a future, we don't know. It all depends on this, this depth of England seeing bowlers um, and injuries, obviously. Look at Matty Potts at the start of this summer in the test side. Start of the year, he wasn't anybody anyone was talking about. And then injuries pop up. He's the man in. He's, he gets the game. And now he's an England bowler, isn't he? Um, Richard Gleeson is somebody I want to see again. So much pace. Uh, 34 years old now. Uh, touch, you know, he's close to 35 and 34. But what a story. He came from club cricket, um, minor counties cricket, Northamptonshire. And then he pretty much gave up the game due to a couple of bad, you know, bad injury years. Um, he's playing part-time <laughs> pretty much, isn't he now? Uh, and in T20 contract with Lancashire and he's got himself in the England squads and he's there as a travelling reserve to the World Cup. Richard Gleeson is just one of the best stories around. If you don't know much about him, go in and go and, just go and click info or something, click his name um, and go and start digging into the, the Richard Gleeson story. So good. What an absolute dream for him to be at a World Cup. And he's got pace. He's somebody that could do a job. He, he certainly shook things up when he played in the in the few, few appearances he did make, didn't he? He did. I was surprised how fast he was, actually. Yeah. When you saw like a decent speed gun on him, I was like, oh, okay, he's, he's quick. Mm. Gets good bounce, gets good carry. Um, challenges the top of off stump. Mm. Um, you know, maybe anti-conventional uh, T20 methodology, but mm. I, I think he's, he's great. And you know who might be a really good left field sort of pick mm. um, in this team? And it's, you know, he's saying left field. He's, he's played T20 international cricket. He's played eight games. But Liam Dawson has yeah. been... Exceptional this year. He's got, um, I think, 29 wickets this year. He's got the same amount as Samit Patel, but uh, maybe at a slightly better rate. And 39 wickets, an average of 22. Economy rate of 7.29 over the last two years across the Blast and the 100. Mm. You know, that's the sort of guy that you're like, oh, yeah, there could be a few overs in there for someone mm. like him. You know, because left-handers, if you can get your matchups right, you know, there's a period where they can come in and you probably need one. Yeah, absolutely. And Liam Dawson has been named as one of the three travelling reserves for the World Cup squad. So he is certainly uh, on the radar big time, isn't he? Liam Dawson yep. is a bowler, I think, as a cricketer. We're going to be talking about quite a lot in the next in the coming months uh, as we build towards, as everyone knows, we love test cricket here. Uh, and that's what our main focus often is. And as we start looking towards that Pakistan tour, England need two, two bowlers, two spin bowlers in that, in that 11. We've got one. We've got Jack Leach. Yeah. With the news that Moeen Ali and Adil Rashid both seem reluctant to uh, to kind of don the whites again and play some red ball due to um, a number of factors over the winter, you know, more so than uh, the actual schedule itself, it does beg the question, who's going to be the second spinner, Rob? 
And when we look yeah. at the stats in county cricket, we don't want to go into this today, but Liam Dawson is somebody that's got to be in that conversation. A couple of Liams, Patterson White maybe, Dawson, Parkinson. Yeah. But you want really that second spinner to be someone that can bat a little bit. You don't want two number 11s. Um, yeah, sorry, exactly. Jack. Jack's a 10. Sorry, he's not a number 11. Apologies. <laughs> But it's just without going into it today, Liam Dawson is a name that you're going to hear from us a little bit more as we uh, as we build towards Pakistan Test cricket. Um, yeah. But yeah, heck of, uh, heck of a squad. Good, yeah, good. It's exciting. Always yeah. when this change with English cricket and you see the next tier of guys getting a go, always exciting. Yeah. Um, Pakistan, I feel, are uh, possibly a little bit stronger than England. What do you think? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'll, I'll run through the Pakistan squad, but I just want to make sure that we will... I do want to just have a, a, a conversation about non-cricketing Alex Hales before we get through. So yeah, it, it is coming if, if people are thinking we're, we're, we're kind of dodging it. We're not. We just want to have that conversation, but let's get through the squads first. Pakistan, led by the absolute legend that is Babar Azam. Can't wait to watch him play again. One of my favourite players in world cricket. So Babar Azam is the captain. He's joined by Shadab Khan, uh, Amar Jamal, Abra Ahmed. Uh, Asif Ali, Haider Ali, Harris Ralph, Iftika Ahmed, Kushdil Shah, Mohammed Harris, Mohammed Hasnain, Mohammed Nawaz, Mohammed Rizwan, Mohammed Wazim, uh, Nasim Shah, the young, young Seema, who's very exciting talent, isn't he? Um, Shanawaz Dahani, Shan Masood, and Usman Kadir. Um, so I'll let you lead on this a little bit, but Shan Masood, obviously, he's, he's somebody that, that uh, English county cricket fans will be well-versed in from this from his performances this summer. Um, really interesting squad, really strong-looking squad as well. It is. There's a lot of decent cricketers in Pakistan, obviously, but there's a lot of high-quality mm. T20 players in particular, I feel, going around at the moment. Sean Masood was exceptional at Derbyshire. Talking mm. Red Bull cricket, he was exceptional. Then he played in the Blast, he was exceptional. Uh, he's fifth most amount of runs in the PSL over the course of the last three years. 970 runs at an average of 33, a strike rate of 135. Strike rates may be slightly low, but the PSL generally has a few less runs scored than mm. the T20 Blast or the 100. That's why you might see things like that um, thrown into the mixer. The, the the bulk of the team and the bulk of the runs is going to be... It, it's quite interesting. They play their cricket in a slightly different way to how a lot of other teams do it. And they generally have players at the top that can bat and they can bat a long period of mm. time. Their mm. strike rate during the power play, so this is taking games since the end of the last World Cup, is actually really poor. And giving context, the average so far since the last World Cup to now, a strike rate of 120 during the first six overs is acceptable. That's kind of what you go at. Pakistan go at 106, which is mm. incredibly low. In fact, there's only really Bangladesh. There is only Bangladesh that have a worse power play mm. effort than Pakistan. The thing is that Pakistan have played 13 games. They've won nine. They've only lost four. They've got a 69% win percentage since the last World Cup, which is joint second only behind India and joint with New Zealand. England are in 13th. They've played 11 games, won four, lost seven. So there's different ways to... Uh, I don't like the saying, but skin the cat of how Ooh, you're going to approach wow. your games. And they do it by having guys that can bat long periods of time. Mm. Mohamed Rizwan has got 597 runs, way, like almost 300 runs above the next highest yeah. run scorer um, between England and Pakistan uh, since the last World Cup. He averages 49. He does it at a 123 strike rate, but he bats through. And he just keeps batting and he just keeps scoring runs. He's got 550s from 13 innings exceptional and you get very similar out of Babar Azam. Babar Azam in T20 cricket can sometimes be 
mopped slightly because, oh, he's not quite elite because he doesn't score at a good enough rate. Well, actually, he's, he's probably playing to his advantages and the team advantages mm. of having other guys that can come in mm. and knock the ball around and score at a really good rate down the order. So I think batting, they'll be okay. I think um, their bowlers have really got to perform against this England team to stop them getting away. Pakistan yeah. chasing 200 is very different to Pakistan uh, setting 180 and having good bowling and being able to defend it. Yeah, I mean, and the big miss as well, the huge, huge hole in this squad is Shane Shah Afridi, who is. Is, is one of the finest bowlers in world cricket, one of my favourite players in world cricket. I'm really, it's such a shame that we're not going to be able to see him um, but that's you know it's, it gives opportunity to somebody else, doesn't it? This is what, it, what cricket's all about, um, and they still have some good bowlers, you know, the likes of Harris Rao, Fasif Ali, uh, and others. Uh, obviously, we spoke about Nassim Shah, who's uh, made you know broke onto the international scene, didn't he? As a very very young man in Australia, um, yeah. who's making his way now. So it's a really exciting squad. There are some players in this squad I'm not particularly familiar with, and I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing them. Uh, like England, you want to see these young players that have been brought into the squad give the, give, been given opportunities like your Jordan Coxes, uh, Will Jacks, Tom, uh, and um, I was going to say young players, but Luke Wood and Tom Helms and Ollie Stone are not particularly young players. <laughs> but we'll, we'll say Will Jacks and Jordan Cox. And the same stands for Pakistan, doesn't it? It's um, it's an exciting setup. But that top order is what it's all about, isn't it? Your, your Rizwans, your Babarazams, etc. Is what the if you can get those guys relatively cheap, relatively early. Pakistan are vulnerable. Then you're putting pressure on those middle order players, the all rounders, um, and then the ball. The, the, it is going to be interesting to see how England play this and how yeah. they actually go against some high class opposition. Shabad Khan is incredibly talented. Mm. Played a bit of blast this year, I think. I want to yeah. say he was at Yorkshire. He's he spent a bit of time in England. Yeah, mm. yeah, he did. Mm. But he's an incredible player. He's got 14 wickets um, since the last World Cup at an average of 16. Uh, his balls, his balls per boundary, and this is quite a, a, a good stat. Balls per boundary, um, the overall stat. So batters score overall a ball per boundary of every six deliveries. They'll knock the ball to the boundary. So if you're a bowler and you're doing better than that, and they're scoring one every two overs, every twelve balls, or something similar, you're doing really good. He concedes a boundary every eleven balls, pretty much. Um, other than if if a Kurt Ahmed who goes at thirteen point five, no one else is near to being able mm. to control the game as good as they can. And that's where the middle overs kind of comes into play. Mm. You, you get your spinners on, you can control the game. Uh, Mohamed Wazim picks up wickets at a really good rate as well. I, I feel like Pakistan have probably got the stronger team, international team mm. on paper going into this game with, with what they've got available to yeah. them. Um but it doesn't mean it's going to be, especially over a six-game series, yeah. it's not going to be easy. Like, people are going to... Seven games, sorry. It's, <laughs> people are going to dip in and out. Yeah. Matchups are going to be made during the series. Yeah. And it's actually going to be probably more entertaining than like a one-off T20 game or a three-match yeah. series. You're actually going to see storylines develop like you would if you were watching mm. a five-match test series. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's... It's going to be really interesting as well because I, I expect this series to be fun, to be really fun. I expect it to be really competitive. I can't see teams getting blown out of the water. Uh, Pakistan have been a fun team to watch in all formats for a few years, but they, they didn't quite know how to win games uh, enough, did they, with a relatively young setup? They, they, they really are a developing team with that great experience and great quality. Um, so I think it's going to be a, a real nip and tuck series and it builds it up so well to the first game in the World Cup will be for England and Pakistan. They're playing against each other. So I just think that's just a great little sub-storyline in amongst this series, just how it's going to be and who, who can get it up and running quickest 
uh, in the World Cup, which will be so important as well. So and and the, they're, a, they're a good team, mate. They won. If really, you remember the really T Twenty World Cup last year, they beat India. They smashed India. Was it? Mm. Did they win by ten? Ten wickets. They knocked off. Yeah, one hundred and fifty-one. They knocked off for wow. none. One <laughs> um, five lost none during the group yeah. stages. Lost to eventual winners Australia in the semi-final. So they're ready and primed. They've got a team where they believe they can go on and win the mm. World Cup. Yep. It's just whether um, the development is enough and going and playing in different conditions is going to be really, really interesting for them. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. going to be a cracker of a series. What if if you were to if you were a betting man, mm-hmm. Rich, and you were going to put your uh, commissioner, uh, the time you won the fancy football league mug on the line. What what would you be saying? Would you be saying Pakistan or England for the win? I think based that in Pakistan in the conditions um, coming yeah. off from an English summer, um, with the fact that we are missing the likes of Stokes, Livingston, and a few others uh, in the bowling attack, so a little bit more in an inexperienced team. I think you've got to shade Pakistan for this one. I think you've got to if you had to. If you said there was going to be a result in all games, I, mean, I could see a four three. Uh, to Pakistan, yeah. but I think you would just you would have to favour them, uh, and rightly so. But but it's a great opportunity for these England players to play in, in Pakistan. Two thousand and four, like you say, I think the only current player in, in you know who had probably played in Pakistan in an international is uh, is probably Jimmy Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> who was the it, only it, one I think you're right. It time. is. So yeah. what an opportunity! This is the, the first eleven that's picked here will be the first eleven players to have played since two thousand and four in Pakistan in the international fixture. So this is this is this, this historic, momentous, um, and I, I absolutely can't wait for it. It's 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 good, mate. Before we before we head off or touch on anything else, Alex Hales, the yes. personal stuff. We said we wouldn't dodge the conversation. Yes. Um, I'm I'm dodging to you for context. <laughs> you always do that. Um, <laughs> what are you, what are your thoughts there? So, like we said earlier, absolutely 100 as a player, we think he should be in there as a cricketer. But off the field, he's been away from things for a long time, hasn't he? We're talking about basically a three year ban from international cricket. So when you look at that, it's like, well, hang on a sec. What do you have to do to be banned for three years? And he wasn't banned for three years, was he? He had a short term ban, uh, and I put it out there after he was picked up. I you know after he was selected, I really want to know. What has gone on? And we know, you know, I, I didn't mean like the actual basics of it as in, right, what was the, the reason? There was a, there was a scrap one. Him and Ben Stokes got into a, an altercation in a nightclub. Yeah. That was the first issue. There's then been a couple of failed drug tests um, for Alex Hales for, um, yeah, I'm going to go into that, but the, there's drug tests out there. At the time, England were looking at drug tests failures as a punishment, but now it should be, it should be more of a, a, a care issue, you know, a, a I forget the, the, the right official um, way of describing that, but you should be, these players have got an issue. If you're going out there and shoving stuff up your nose or doing whatever, you've got an issue that needs to be a safeguarding issue, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But there is something there that players need help with, not a punishment necessarily. So I don't think that necessarily helped Hales with the way it was, it was all handled. Um, yes, there was issues around how much he told the squad or he didn't tell the squad. So true, you know, we understand there, are, there was a level of, of trust issues. But we don't know enough about it. And again, like you said earlier, until someone starts writing books about this, we don't, we won't know the full um, ins and outs of it. And it just strikes me that there's so much more that's gone on behind the scenes that we, we've been party to. Um, yeah. So that's that's one massive chunk of it. Owen Morgan obviously didn't want to see Alex Hales back in an England shirt ever. Um, he's he's now retired from international cricket, so it's opened the door, hasn't it? Um, it does seem like Alex Hales also put a phone call into Joss Butler. Um, the same as Rob Key, kind of just asking the question of why he wasn't selected. 
apparently Josh Butler has spoken to a lot of senior players and there doesn't seem to be a problem with Hales coming back into this squad. So that's that. The most troubling part for me is the fact that Alex Hales was implicated in the Azim Rafiq um, allegations and that the fact that yeah. a, a derogatory term for black people that people that Hales um, hung around with would call black people Kevin. And then Hales had a black dog and he called it Kevin. It's either a really, really unfortunate coincidence or there's something more bizarre at foot here. And I don't think we've had clarification on that. Hales has basically just, you know, in his recent conversation, I don't think he answered it particularly well. He just said, look, it's been investigated. I went through the process and everyone is happy with where it's at. I don't think everyone is happy with where it's at. Um, I think he just needs to be a little bit more open about this one. Um, you know, did he, if it was that case, and he's made, and he's, he understands now how ridiculous it was to do that, then come out and say that. I'd, I'd admit some guilt to, to one or two things. We've had this with yeah. the likes of Joe Clark. Um, we've got, um, what's his name from Yorkshire, who was highly implicated in this, who used to play for England, the, the chubby little bat. Balance. Uh, Gary Balance, you know, come and accept what you've done, and then maybe people will start forgiving quicker. Um, so I'm just a little bit uncomfortable with some of that, and I'm, I'd like to know more about what's gone on rather than wait until he's retired um, to yeah. know whether we really should be rooting. But what we need to also remember as well is people do change and can change. Behind closed doors, is Alex Hales a, a grown-up person? Does he accept the mistakes he's made? Is he just not saying it out loud in public? But, you know, has he? does he realise what an absolute idiot he's been over the years? Um, and he's a different person now. Everyone deserves the opportunity to change and prove they've changed and be given another chance. There's no point putting people in prison for the rest of their lives. It's all about rehabilitation, isn't it? Um, yeah. And this is cricket. You know, hope he's not, he's not killed anybody. He's not done anything too dramatic. But he's still done things that make me uncomfortable and I'm sure make a lot of people uncomfortable. Um, and this is coming from a, as a Knots supporter as well. So, so that's the sort of background and context. I don't think I've missed anything off there. And I just feel like we need a little bit more at some point from Hales or somebody to just explain exactly what's gone on. Because on the surface of it, I don't think three years in the wilderness was fair, regardless of what he did. But at the same time, we need to know that he has changed and he does accept and understand what, what he did. And yeah. things maybe he said I think there's probably a lot we don't know. Exactly. And a lot we're not going to know for yeah. many, many years until there's books mm. and probably lawsuits yeah. associated to books being written about, <laughs> yeah. about stuff that's gone yeah. on. That's normally mm. how these things work. So yeah. um, let us know in the comments below yeah. what, what you guys think of this, whether mm. um, you're happy to see him back, whether you're sad to see him back, or how how you really think of it and whether it's been handled well or not. Um yeah. Rich, we are 42 minutes down into the podcast. Pakistan, England has been done. We've You've given your predictions. I'm going to say that it's going to be a Pakistan win. If all seven games are played, I'm going yep. Pakistan 5-2. Oh, that's okay. not me being pessimistic. That's nope. just me going England in Pakistan, first time since 2004. We've never played T20 cricket over there. Only a handful of players have got experience yep. playing in the PSL there. Um, advantage Pakistan. Doesn't mean we're bad. It mm -hmm. means they're good and we're going to get a, a good learning environment to get better in. Yeah, and the crowd's going to bring it as well. It's going to be something. It's going to be a great... And so just watching the cricket won't be enough when it's on, when the game's on TV. You're going to be wanting the cameras on the crowd quite a bit as well. So it's going to be yeah. fun. I can't imagine there's going to be a massive Barmy Army contingent over there either. So. Um, no, I, I don't <laughs> think there will be. It might be the strangest England cricket games we ever see. Yeah. Um, is there anything right else you want to touch on, Rich? 
Um, no, I, don't, I think we're pretty good at the moment. We're getting we're looking good, aren't we? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna jump all over this Pakistan uh, series. We then we're going to be all over the T20 as we build up to Australia and the World Cup, and then we're back to Red Bull, aren't we? Plenty to do, plenty to dig into as the winter gets uh, starts biting us. Mm. Yeah, it does. Mm. Um, that's awesome thank you so much for listening everyone I hope you've enjoyed it if you have leave a big thumbs up drop a comment let us know what your uh, predictions are going to be for the series you can also check us out if anyone's listening right now at the end of the podcast you can check us out on Twitter we're at Leading Edge Pod and we're always tweeting cricket stuff and if you like cricket stuff that might be the best place for you to come and hang out for a bit but thank you everyone have a great day have a great weekend we'll catch you soon